Today, Trent Griffith helps us understand how the cross of Jesus affects the walls we build with our sin. As Jesus Christ inflicted his flesh with the pain and the agony of the cross, the wall of hostility was broken down. Jesus Christ absorbed the hostility of God that was meant for you. And with every drop of blood that fell, there was another brick in the wall that was broken down, thereby giving you access to the peace of God. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. When was the last time you did this? <gasps> A lot of movies have what they call jump scares in them. At those moments, movie makers are intentionally trying to scare us, and it works, doesn't it? But there are other reasons that we might gasp or have our breath taken away. A few weeks ago, Pastor Trent showed us from God's Word that we should be horrified by the depths of our sin. Last week, he showed us the breathtaking beauty of God's grace. So let's listen now as he continues this series. It was originally recorded around Christmas in 2016, just weeks after Donald Trump had been elected president. Here's Pastor Trent. Get your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter two, and we're in a series called Breathtaking. The reason we've titled it that, because if I do my job right in preaching and you do your job right in responding, there should be some audible gasp as we begin to read some of the impactful statements here that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesian believers back in the first century. And... Um, I noticed in the headlines this week, I was watching the news, and annually Time Magazine releases an issue at the end of every year announcing who they have designated as the person of the year. Have you ever noticed how they do this? And, and uh, some years it's kind of uh, a lot of different people you could choose from. This year it was kind of obvious. Once again, they've passed over me, and they have, uh, they've actually chosen, to no one's surprise, Donald Trump. And uh, that really shouldn't be a surprise. What, what's, what's kind of surprising about it is the title they put on the cover. It says, Donald Trump, President of the Divided States of America. It's really true, isn't it? There's so many different divisions in our country between Republican and Democrat, between rich and poor, black and white. We have differences between Irish and Wolverines and, and uh, uh, men and women, young and old. There's just so many different divisions. And it really shouldn't surprise us as a culture after we've kind of erased for 30 years the defining, unifying, absolute transcendent truth and we've just kind of said, you can make up truth to be whatever you want it to be, and you can be your own individual and own autonomous person. It, should it really surprise us after 30 years of that, that we don't have anything to unify around? And it's really a myth for us to think that a president or any other human being can be a unifying force. But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you know what destroys the division, don't you? It's that no matter who you are, rich or poor, young or old, male or female, black or white, 
the unifying principle, the thing that brings us together, we come under the banner of Jesus Christ. We come to the place of worship. And it is the fact that we worship the same person that destroys all those dividing lines. And so that's the truth we're gonna look at here this morning. I want you to see it from Ephesians chapter two. Let's start in verse 14, then we're gonna back up to verse 11 and work our way through the end of the chapter. Here is the breathtaking truth this morning. He, Jesus himself, is the person of the year. That's the truth. What does it say? He himself is our peace. You know, at Advent, we like to talk about those four words, love, joy, hope, and peace. We understand and celebrate that it is he and only he that can bring peace with God and peace with one another. He is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. I want you to underline, circle, put a box around those four words at the end of verse 14, the dividing wall of hostility. I wonder what Paul was thinking when he penned that very vivid illustration to the Ephesians. I think it could be that in his mind's eye, as he wrote those words, he was actually visualizing a physical wall that stood in Jerusalem at the temple. And scholars tell us that on the outside of this physical wall, there was a warning sign to Gentiles that you Enter at the risk of your life to come to the other side of this wall. What was that wall? That wall was, a, uh, was, was the wall on the outer court that separated people from the presence of God. The Old Testament understanding of the presence of God is that God dwelled in the holy place on the other side of the wall. And only Jews, because of the sacrifices of the high priest, had access to the very presence of God. And if you were a Gentile, you shouldn't even try. As a matter of fact, if you went on the other side of the wall, you did it at the risk of your own life because you didn't have a covering. You weren't under the blood sacrifice of the high priest. And so enter at your own risk. And so I believe that Paul was visualizing this wall and maybe even seeing that sign. But do you see what he says? That Jesus Christ has broken down the dividing wall that separates us from the very presence of God himself. I brought one of our 75 nativities at the house. I brought it to church this morning. Do you, do you have some, how many of you have like 75 nativities at the house? And I don't know about you, I like to play with the nativities, okay? It's not a decoration for me. I get it out and we act out the Christmas story and, and it's, it's a big deal at our, our family. And so we love to think about the peaceful scene and we've got Mary and Joseph and we have the king and we have the shepherds and we have donkeys and of course we have the centerpiece, little baby Jesus. Do you, and, and the invitation is come and worship. Well, 
That's a nice thought, but what we have to understand this morning is there's a dividing wall and you can't even come to the place of worship until the dividing wall has been broken down. And before we this morning can in a fresh new way come and worship, we have to be reminded of what Jesus did to break down the dividing wall. And remembering is an important exercise so much. I want you to see it here in verse 11 because what we have to understand is it is lonely to live on the wrong side of this wall. Look at verse 11. Therefore, remember. I want you to underline that word remember. Look at it again in verse 12. What's the first word of verse 12? Remember, remember. There is something important. There is something breathtakingly significant about letting your mind remember where you came from. Remember where you were living on the wrong side of the wall. Why does Paul want these Ephesians to remember? Why do I want you to remember how lonely it was living on the wrong side of the wall? Because it will not take your breath away to come and worship this morning unless you fully remember what it was like to live on the other side of the wall. We too easily forget how awful it was to live separated from the life of God. So he wants us to remember this past week, somebody in our church that was a part of our church from the very beginning, they sent me something that made me remember. They sent me a digital copy of our very first church directory as a church. Now, how many of you were around like in 2010, kind of in the second year of our church, and we set up a little photo studio out in the foyer of North Point Elementary School, and we had you come by, and we took your little Olin Mills picture, you know, of your little family. You got all dressed up, and then we actually printed. Do you remember the days when you used to print a church directory? Remember that? Some of you old-timers are like, yeah, why don't we do that? Why don't we do that again today? It's like, well, there's this thing called Facebook now, and uh, maybe you should get online. You can see everybody in the church there. But anyway, he sent me this digital copy and, and I, 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 rem- I had so many memories looking at some of you, <laughs> uh, the way that you looked in 2010. And uh, would you like to see what, what our family looked like? There we are. And uh, it, it's good to go back and remember where you came from. And so I, I want us to do that here this morning. That's an act of worship to set us up to fully appreciate what God has done tearing down this dividing wall. Look at it here in verse 11. He says, therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision, that was a very derogatory term. That would be the equivalent of calling someone the N-word today. It was a horrible term. You, the, the uncircumcision, the uncircumcision, and they're called that by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Like what in the world? We have to remember there was great hostility back in the first century between those who were from the line of Abraham, the Hebrew people, who had been given access to the covenant promises of God going all the way back in the Old Testament to Genesis chapter 12, 
and those who were outside of the Abraham line, and that would be everybody else in the world known as a Gentile, only two types of people in the world. There are Jews and there are Gentiles. And for most of us here today, we're kind of of this Gentile race. And the Jews, thinking that they had some type of favor from God, had begun to call names of the people that were outside of this covenant promise of God and thinking they had an advantage. They misunderstood the mark that identified them as Jewish. And so there was, there was, a, there was a mark, the, the circumcision, the, the operation of circumcision that marked a Jew. And so if you weren't circumcised, then you were called the uncircumcision. And it was a very derogatory term. And there was this dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile. What the Jews failed to understand is what the apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter two about circumcision. What God always intended this outward sign of circumcision to be was a matter of the heart. Paul put it this way, for no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly and circumcision is a matter of the heart. Yes, the Jewish people had been brought into covenant relationship with God, but they had failed to understand is what, the, is, is what made them have this relationship with God was not some physical mark on the outside. It was the fact that God had cut their heart and that they had this heart love relationship with him. Well, over centuries of time, they had forgotten that and focused too much on the mark of the outside circumcision. And so Paul here is explaining to them that circumcision is a matter of the heart. And he's writing here in the, in the book of Ephesians to the church in Ephesus that was primarily made up of Gentile people. And he wants them to understand that whether you are Jew or Gentile, if it hasn't impacted your heart, you're still living on the wrong side of the wall. Look at verse 12. Remember, remember what it was like to be separated from Christ. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. Whether Jew or Gentile, we were all born into this world on the wrong side of the wall. And he goes on to explain what it's like. He says, to be alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. Do you remember what it was like living on the wrong side of the wall? How isolated you were? Friendless alienated from the commonwealth. And so we, we kind of were isolated and autonomous and, and we didn't have a group that we belonged to. Certainly not a group that had unity around the covenants of promise. We were not only friendless, we were homeless. Strangers to the covenants of promise. The word stranger there would be equivalent to the way that we use the word refugee in our culture. We just... We're living in a land that doesn't belong to us and we're trying to make it home and we're trying to feel settled down in this world, but it just always, we're just always feeling homesick. Where do I belong? And then he goes on and says, we were hopeless. We were without hope. 
The most tragic reality is when a human being lives without hope. He can't see a better day coming. He has no purpose that he's looking forward to in the future. There's no upgrade on the horizon from his current situation. And that's what it's like to live separated from Christ. And then the last thing is the worst of all, not only friendless, homeless, hopeless, but godless. You say, now, wait a minute. God is everywhere present at the same time. That's, that's a truth in scripture that we learn. That's the omnipresence of God. But this tells us that until the wall of hostility is broken down, you have no access to the life, the mercy, the grace, the kindness, or the love of God. You live in this world without God because you are living on the wrong side of the wall of hostility. Bad news? That ought to take your breath away. Do you remember? Do you remember those days when you lived on the wrong side of the wall? And the only resources you had was the resources of your own intelligence, your own creativity, your own ability to try to work up something good. You know, the tragic reality is some people in this room are still living in that condition. If it seems like there's a wall between you and God, do you know why it seems like that? Because there is a wall between you and God. You're like, well, I don't want there to be a wall. It's like, I, I, I would think I want access to, to some of the life of God. Well, I'm glad you've come to the right place. And here's the good news. The good news is this. The wall of hostility has been replaced by the cross of peace. Look at verse 13. He says, but now, aren't you grateful for the conjunction, but? We've already seen it back up in verse four. We looked at that last week, but God. And until you have a but God story, you don't have God. We get down to verse 13 and he says, but now in Christ Jesus, you were once far off, but you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. Like, whoa, wait, what? Abolishing law, commandments, ordinances, what's all that about? We have to understand that in the Old Testament, God gave his people standards, commandments, laws, boundaries to govern behavior. We're most familiar with those as being the 10 commandments. You know, only, the only problem with those 10 commandments, those 10 laws of God, what's the only problem? Um, none of us have kept them. We've disobeyed the law of God. And do you know what happens every time you disobey a law of God? You put another brick in the wall between you and God. Because after all, law spelled backwards <laughs> is wall. And every time you disobey the law, you put another brick 
in the wall of hostility between you and God. And so do you know what our, our natural response is? Is because we think we're good people and we overestimate our ability to scale walls. We try to climb the wall. We, we try to penetrate the wall. We try to sneak around the wall or dig under the wall or we just kind of pretend like the wall isn't there. Before you can fully appreciate that Jesus Christ is our priest, you have to fully appreciate your inability to climb the wall. The only way you have access to God is not by climbing over the wall, but God breaking through the wall from the other side. How did he do it? Verse 15 says, he abolished the law. The way you have peace with God is not by keeping the law, it is by God abolishing the law. He's replaced the wall with something else. The cross of Christ. In verse 13, he says it's by the blood of Christ. In verse 14, he says, in his flesh. And then it goes on in verse 15 and says that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. What's this one new man? What he's basically saying there is Jesus didn't come to make us Jewish and Jesus didn't come to affirm that we're Gentiles. He's like, no, I'm creating something new. It's not about becoming a Jew. It's about becoming something new. One new man, a unified body in Jesus Christ, by his blood, in his flesh, through the cross. And he says in verse 16, that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Do you understand the story of the cross? That as Jesus Christ came and he inflicted his flesh with the pain and the agony of the cross, what was happening at the cross in that moment is God was turning his hostility away from you and toward the wall. On the cross, by his blood, in his flesh, the wall of hostility was broken down. Jesus Christ absorbed the hostility of God that was meant for you. And with every drop of blood that fell, there was another brick in the wall that was broken down, thereby giving you access to the peace of God. And then he says in verse 17, he, Jesus, came. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. But he didn't just come. He didn't just stay a, a baby. If your thought of Jesus is, you know, a five pound, six ounce little baby Jesus in a golden fleece diaper, that is not the king of kings that you should be thinking of right now. Jesus grew up and the only reason he became a baby is because he needed flesh. The only reason he needed flesh is because he needed nerve endings. The only reason he needed nerve endings is to experience the pain of the hostility of God for sin on your behalf. And he 
came, but he didn't just come, he also preached. He came and he preached peace. Who did he preach to? He preached to you who were far off. Who was that? The Gentiles. And he came and preached peace to those who were near. Who's that? The Jews. So whether you are near or far, you still need to be preached to. You may be somebody here and you say, well, I'm not a Jew, but I, I kind of grew up here in this story and celebrating Christmas and my parents drug me to church and, and I've heard this and I could probably tell it better than you and I even kind of know where you're going in the message and stuff. Well, you're a person that's near. You're, you're near. You need to be preached to. The peace of God. Maybe you're here and this is the first experience you've ever had in church. and This is the first time you've ever understood the cross and the blood and the flesh. And what are you talking about? The hostility. And I'm hearing about this dividing wall. I thought God liked me and I thought God was nice. And maybe you're hearing it all. Listen, you need to hear this too. The only way to have peace with God is through Jesus Christ. And to understand, to accept his payment for your sin. You can't do it by ascending a wall. The only way you can have access to God is by him coming through it. And that's what he did at Christmas time. And so whether you're near or you're far, you need to have this peace. Then verse 18, for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the father. The wall of hostility has been replaced by the cross of peace. He's like, well, what implication does that have? Um, just this, point three. Now, together, we can live life without walls. Look at it here in verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. That's great news, right? I mean, we remembered what it was like to live on the other side of the wall. He's like, now there is no wall. You're no longer in that condition. You're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God. Do you know what that means? You're no longer friendless. You're citizens. You're no longer homeless. You're family. You're no longer hopeless, but now you're being built you're joined together and you're growing. And every day is a new opportunity to be something that you could never be a part, living on the other side of the wall. No longer godless, but let this thought take your breath away. But you are now a dwelling place for God. And we're going to have to pause the message right here. Trent Griffith has been showing us the power of the gospel to break down the walls of separation and division. We'll hear the rest of that message next week on Resonate. Well, Gospel City Church wants to be a part of the solution, not the problem, when it comes to walls of division between different groups. We believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is what unites us and gives us that peace that Trent was talking about right here today. If you're looking for a church that you can call home, why not consider Gospel City Church? For more information about service times and locations, just go to mygospelcity.org. And if you're new, just click or tap where it says, I'm new here. Again, that's mygospelcity.org. 
And be sure to follow us on Facebook by looking up Gospel City Church. You know, it's hard to know how to respond to hostile relationships, isn't it? Next week on Resonate, Pastor Trent will continue helping us see how Jesus brings relational peace to his people. I hope you'll join us for that. Well, thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that the walls would come down and God's word would resonate in your heart this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a radio and podcast ministry of Gospel City Church. Visit us online at mygospelcity.org.